and welcome to the third edition of the Stand Up Tragedy Specials. This episode accompanies our third live show of 2014, which took place at the Hackney Attic on the 21st of March. This month, the theme was Tragic Heroes. My name's Bryony, I'm your podcast producer, and I went around at the back of the scenes to find out some great little bits of audio that you wouldn't hear on our regular podcast. Stand Up Tragedy So the classic image of a tragic hero, according to Wikipedia anyway, follows Aristotle's thoughts on the matter. As the protagonist to a tragedy, a tragic hero must be noble or wise, but with an accompanying flaw. This flaw will lead to a reversal of fortune, which our hero knows has happened because of their own actions. The audience sympathises with them, and generally they'll overcome their misfortunes and things return to normal. Our performers were free to interpret this theme however they liked. You can hear each of the show's three acts in full on our regular podcast on our SoundCloud, iTunes, or by visiting the website. So we had lots of new faces this month at Stand Up Tragedy, and I'd like to take the chance to introduce them to you all, because I was meeting them for the first time as well. First up was Siobhan Dodd, who is a sign language interpreter as well as an inspiring stand-up. Here's how she got asked to do Stand Up Tragedy. I did a gig, um, Charlie Lucy Harrison runs a gig. I did that one in September, and afterwards I found myself having a whiskey with Dave Pickering in a drag bar, which was charming. Um, and he was telling me about it and I had had a recent tragedy because I recently bereaved and uh, well tw- end of 2012 so obviously last year was a bit of a it was always at the forefront of my mind so I started talking about that and he said oh well come and do it when you're ready and then he asked me if I was ready like last October and I totally wasn't but I thought oh, I'll be ready by March um, so I agreed to do it in March <laughs> I don't know if I'm ready yet we'll see we will see I've it was hard it's hard to get to, you know, it's hard to write stuff and it probably will be quite hard to perform it, but I think, yeah, it's, it's got a force. It, it's basically, it all comes down from having a whiskey in a drag bar with Dave Pickering. I got into stand up in January 2012. Basically, I'm a sign language interpreter by trade, I do that full time, and I fully qualified in November 2011. So, January 2012, it's, I was like, oh wow, I've, I've done that now. It took me 10 years. So obviously for all that time, I was constantly focused on learning sign language and improving that. And then when I finally had the badge, I was like, well, oh, let's, let's, uh, what do I do now? (laughs) Let's try stand up. 2013, I threw myself into it. Um, Obviously 2012, I had the bereavement, which uh, slowed things down a bit. But um, yeah, then this year, I'm probably a little bit slower with it because I'm also getting married. So I'm sometimes spending time looking at dresses and bridal magazines rather than writing material. The story she told of the death of her father was particularly hard for her to do, and if you'd like to hear it, it's in Act 1 of the Tragic Heroes podcast. You might not be able to hear these next performers very well on a podcast though, because they're a sketch group. The beta males have had a run of really successful shows across London and at the Edinburgh Fringe for the last few years, and they performed a selection of their past sketches for us. So I've always wanted to ask a sketch group how they managed to establish a scene so quickly, and here's what they told me. In some ways there's a joy to not establishing everything about the sketch because it's quite fun to discover things about that sketch as you move it, move through it. So you may not find out until sometimes the end of the sketch and it turns out that contextualises everything about that sketch. What's, what's really good fun is when you're doing a sketch that repeats itself. Mm. It's if, if you can establish, the audience don't know you've established the kind of yeah. what the sketch looks like. Like we were doing a sketch tonight about um, a guy piloting something and it's yeah. just a guy holding a steering wheel and that sketch comes back two more times 
and even though you know you don't know it at the beginning yeah um when you see that guy with the steering wheel again yeah. there's just that little note of recognition exactly it's recognition and it, and it and suddenly gets the audience back on the emo you know like if you try if, it's, if that's a sad sketch which it is yes. then the audience <laughs> are already keyed in to start feeling oh and sad yeah, and exactly. it's, it's little ways like that you can sort of well manipulate yeah. people really yeah. Yeah. Have you ever had an audience who just don't get it? Oh, yeah. Oh, many oh, yeah. times, yeah. <laughs> especially, especially when we were starting out, I, I remember doing a, one of the most apathetic crowd we've ever done, which was in a, a full bar. Oh, uh, And we were, we, were, yeah. we were just, we were told to be there. And, but, but, like, it wasn't a comedy night. We were just on stage doing sketches. I mean, the stand-ups did well because they had microphones. Yes, exactly. <laughs> when it comes to uh, not getting it, though, um, I got the best criticism I think I've ever had. It's from my mum. <laughs> it was after uh, The Bunker, which was in 2010. It was, like, our first proper Edinburgh show as I was doing what we wanted to do. And I, 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 my parents came to see it, and I, I went, you know, we did, like, we went, and we sweated, and we hopefully got some laughs from the audience after an hour. I went to see my family. I said, Mum, what do you think? And she said, just didn't get it. Ouch. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I think everyone's influenced by what they see and the kind of... The f- yeah, I mean, we've got a lot of, in, like, League of Gentlemen, Big Train, we've got yeah. a lot of influences, so they kind of taught us the language sketch, of it. Yeah. And then, yeah, it's just like, I don't know, it comes from all over the place, really. I mean... We, I mean, our big thing is storytelling. Yeah. We, we love, we love uh, telling, telling stories and getting people to feel something when, when they watch, watch us, really. And so, and so I think... I sort of creating a character wherever it comes from, you, building it into a fully fledged, emotive kind of character, yeah. uh, and uh, with the, where stuff happens to them, uh, and they develop throughout. I think is kind of that's our deal, really. That's what yeah. we do. Yeah. And we're going to be doing a, an Edinburgh show this year oh. about things happening. We're yeah. doing uh, the Beta Males Happenstance, yep. uh, which we'll be performing up. Uh, we'll be previewing in London in June and July, yep. and. Um, We'll be performing it up in Edinburgh at the Pleasance Beneath. Yes. Uh, so come and see us then, if that's you're a, able to. That's a brilliant plug. Just, Thank you. Just for you there. I worked that in naturally. It was so natural. You, had, you, you, <laughs> you said the word happened completely by yourself. To check out that show for yourself, go to www.thebetamales.com. Stand-up tragedy show at the Free Fringe in Edinburgh last year unfortunately clashed with the beta males. We were also on at the same time as a brilliant character comedian act called Samantha Mann. Samantha managed to come to Tragic Heroes, though, and here's her piece that she performed about her hero, her brother. I was, I was actually hoping that I would be able to go up a little corridor and come in to the back and then, and then make an entrance and nobody would see me arrive and I would just sort of arrive out and then I realised I was in another door in the middle and I was really awkward. So I that's a little story of me coming to the... Don't look at my hair too much, by the way. I had it done today. I said, I know. I'm rather brave, I suppose, but I thought I might look better than this. I, I, just, I said to the woman, don't cut it too short, it'll go... But she did not it, so that's what... I, I don't know what I should, perhaps I should explain. Oh, goodness me, it's all, it's terribly cosy, isn't it? You're all sitting at, at tables. It's not at all like being in front of an audience. It's more like, I don't know, bothering people in a cafe. It's <laughs> have a little hat that I go around with afterwards and have you all sort of frown at me, as people do. But um, uh, perhaps I should, I'm a spoken word artist. 
Um, but I'd like to be a spoken word. I'm hoping that I'm going to be a spoken word artist in Italy. Um, I've, um, I've been up in Edinburgh and I've met some wonderful, wonderful spoken word artists. And I've been so inspired um, by what they do. So I thought perhaps that's something that I could do because I'm getting to the stage where I want to decide what it is that I'm going to do for the rest of my life. So I thought perhaps that's something I could, I could do. So I'm hoping to, to, to do And I don't know why I'm talking about myself. This isn't about me. I'm not my hero. So, so I, I'm not, I, should, I should talk about, I should talk about what I'm going to do. Perhaps, um, well, perhaps you might start. I just sort of, yeah, no, 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 Which is why I'm 
been starting to do a, I put together a show, you probably don't believe it, but I have, I put together a whole hour. Um, I, mean, I didn't want to overset it, but I do want to say it, not many people came last year, but um, I've been trying to say, well, perhaps, you know, with this, because he was so, he was so lively, and he was so, you could sort of, when I hear this, this I'm doing, he was just old enough to, to get AIDS before anybody knew what it was, and, um, you know, it was all totally quick. Um, but um, I think, you know, in a way, he, he grasped life in a way that I haven't done, and, and, and certainly not since, since, you know, I think I shrank back into my shell a little bit. So I, I wrote a, a poem, and it's not... Oh, my God, I feel like But I, I think I'm, I'm going to read it, and it's, it's an awful lot more serious than most of my poetry, but... Um, I'll, just, I'll read it, then I'll go, and then you'll... And then you don't have to react in any way. You just sort of get on with what Oh, I just read it. And then we, and you, and I'll go. And then it's called Who Goes There? Or Who Goes There, depending on how you want to pronounce it. Um, <laughs> um, I was going to call it um, The Short Road to Heaven, but I thought that was a little bit mawkish. Um, and I don't believe in heaven anyway. Um, I like to think Hugo Steve's just recycling around the world <laughs> in the way that perhaps we're all breathing him in right now. <laughs> oh, yeah, that would be awful, wouldn't it? To get that, doesn't matter. Um, here we are, so, um, who goes there? Who goes, who, who goes there? <laughs> who goes there? Who's that up ahead? The mist blurs your face, masks your scars, hides your haste. But I feel your impatience, brother mine, I feel the waste. You flashed ahead of me like a flare and lit up my life. So who goes there? Who's that up ahead? Where's the fun that you found? Where the mischief you've chased, hunted down, underground, wrinkled out, put your hand on, before you turn around and say, come, Sam, drink your share. Who goes there? Who's that up ahead with his feet in the clouds and his face in the air? You picked up your life in both hands and said, look how distant. Then it bit you. And it sucked your blood and left you shriveled. Is it what you would have wanted? I was too slow to ask, but don't think I didn't care. Who goes there? Let's find the fun, you said. And I'm looking, I've started looking. But it's hard, you go. So who goes? You go, you go first. And make it fun for when I come. That's it. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. The man behind Samantha is Charles Adrian Gilo, and I took the chance to ask him how he created Samantha. I was at the Gaulier School in Paris. I don't know if you've heard of Philippe Gaulier. He's not as well known as he should be, but he, one of the things he does is uh, character work. And um, he says, come in uh, so that we don't recognize you. Dress up so that we don't recognize you. And I already had the wig, which I'd always wanted to use. And so I decided I would do a woman character and I bought the jacket and the skirt at the flea market. I was really nervous and it didn't work straight away but after about four days it started to work. The first thing to come was the rhythm and the voice um, and then it was clear what kind of person she was and then I mean that was 
10 years ago. She was 10 years old in February. Um, so that was, that was quite a long time ago. And I did a couple of things in Paris with her, but then more or less didn't do anything for a while. And I moved back to London and, and I started to do um, open mic things. And by doing, I've fleshed out what she is and who she is and where she comes from and all that kind of thing. She's because I mean I think she has a lot of flaws. Um, she's where she, her biggest flaw I think is a kind of lack of lack of self confidence. Um, but what makes her what drives her is uh, that coupled with that is a lack of self awareness. So I think that make it possible for her to go on stage and do things. I think she's very stoical. I think she'd be able to put up with a lot. Um, but yeah, I'm not sure why, she, how she could be a really tragic hero. I think she would, if she were, in, if she were a kind of stock film character, um, she would die fairly early on, and we would feel a bit sad. It would be a kind of the first plucking of our heartstrings, but it wouldn't be a catastrophe. There were lots of familiar faces from 2013's Fringe with us for tragic heroes, such as poet Lee Nelson, who I chatted to before we got started. Well, I'm doing a different job, which is less miserable, uh, and gives me much more sort of headspace to do uh, other things. And I've been running the gigs up in Luton. That's called Utter Lutonia. So it's the Utter Strand that me and Rich set up like years and years ago, or 10 years ago, as you know. And then, so we thought, since I'm back in town and I've got a bit of headspace now, so I'm running. So I did one in December of last year, one in just about a week ago, the beginning of March. And then there's going to do another one in June, another one in October. It's going to be quarterly. And we're doing a tiny little calf in the sort of groovy old part of Luton. And it's been rammed every time so far, like standing room only. I mean, the place is tiny, but nonetheless, it looks good. It looks busy and people are having a really good time. Uh, I've gone for a fairly obvious answer and I've gone down the kind of the, the male line of the family. So I've got my granddad, me dad and myself. So it's three deaths. Uh, there you go. So it's it's, it's an expl- obviously one of them hasn't happened yet. Um, so I don't know which one. Yeah, but, but two of them have. So it's kind of the things I wrote in response to, or often very long time after, but in kind of response to the deaths of uh, male relatives of uh, of my immediate line. Flee. It's something that people can get hold of and ha- empathise with, because ev- I'm sure everyone's lost somebody, even if it's only a a goldfish or something like that and I asked old friend of the show singer-songwriter MJ Hibbert what him and his band The Violators have been up to since Edinburgh uh, well we did we finished our show that we were doing in Edinburgh um, and then we toured that around the country for a bit uh, we finished that here at the Hackney Attic and then in Leicester about a month and a half ago and uh, now I'm back to doing normal gigs where I can actually choose the songs and also choose the remarks between the songs as well because you guys have quite a back catalogue, you and the Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very much so. Well, we have a back, not, not only do we have a back catalogue, we have about several thousand copies of the back catalogue, which nobody wants to buy. So that was why uh, part of the fun of doing the show was that we got to, I, I was giving away CDs after the end of every gig, uh, which was great. I cleared out a whole cupboard, really. We don't get to get together very, very often because we're all middle aged now. So there's um, people having kids. Or um, our drummer and our singer, other singer, moved to Mauritius for a year and a half. So they're back now, but they keep wandering off. Uh, but we're actually we had a practice. We've had two practices so far this year, which is pretty good going for us. And so we've got new material. So yeah, new no album expected sometime before 2020. I think. Well, that's very exciting. I'm very well, excited. I'm glad you found time to fit in. 
um, stand-up tragedy then. Do you still think you're too happy for stand-up tragedy? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a couple. I've, I've, this, I've, I've worked at a set. I have got a sad song. There's a song that I wrote for the musical, which was about superheroes, which was too sad to put in the musical. So I thought this would be the perfect opportunity. A tragic, heroic song would hopefully fit in quite well. As I've said before, then, all our acts do really well to take on the theme of the night and shape their performances around it. Performance poet Michelle Madsen even told me about a number of poets who are her tragic heroes. Oh my god, yes. Pirates are great at killing themselves. I, I love uh, Anne Sexton, who she um, she's great. She's a, like an American poet from the 19. Well, she was sort of writing a lot in the 1950s, and she wrote this amazing book called Transformations, where she like retold uh, Brothers Grimm fairy tales, but in a really brilliant way. It's fantastic. Um, but then she. I think she was a really repressed housewife and she, um, I wish she wasn't repressed, she wrote lots of poetry, but she uh, gassed herself in a car wearing a fur coat and pearls. Quite classy. Um, and then there was uh, there's an Argentine poet I love called Alfonsina Storni. She was amazing. She was around at the beginning of the turn of the 20th century and she um, had a child out of wedlock with this man that she loved. She could never marry him. And she wrote and she wrote and she wrote. And she um, was actually about to go on radio um, in Mar del Plata, which is a big seaside resort. She went on the radio, she talked about stuff and she wrote a little poem called I'm Going to Sleep. And then she just walked into the sea and she died. So there's quite a lot of tragic poetry stuff. I think that you can explore tragedy best when you view it come at it from an angle of not humour necessarily but you kind of see the light in it you can't having something that's completely bleak is a very difficult thing and it, you have to have I think you know you can do amazing things with images you can take people on different you can transport them you can take them in this amazing like uh, journey of um, colours and sounds and stuff like that and that can um, it can really subtly put you into a situation without telling you that it's tragic and bashing you around the head with it. What's really cool about performing it is that you kind of live the poem again. You're completely in it again. When you, when you, when you write on the page, you can tweak it, you can fiddle around with it, but you don't, until you sort of get up there and start shouting it out, or you just read it, or you, you, put, you have to be in front of people, the poem doesn't actually breathe, so you can't hear when things go right or wrong. Stand-up tragedy tries to embrace all art forms, and so at a few of our shows we've had some live art. We've just been joined by Peter Morley, better known as the live scriber. Before Tragic Heroes started, I met Peter near his blank piece of paper on the wall to find out what live scribing is. So tonight I'm going to be making a live response to everything in pictures. It's, it's very similar to doodling on the wall. Very, very similar. It's, it's applying visual thinking, which you often get when you're doodling. So if you're doodling in a, I don't know, in a lesson at school or whatever, you're processing things in strange ways that you don't, you don't realise. You're processing them with images, odd lateral images, instead of the words that the teacher would prefer you to be writing. So I'm basically doing a similar kind of thing. Sometimes it's a bit more planned, so I'd plan a cartoon or something like that. So it's a bit less like a doodle and more like a cartoon, but often there's an energy to a doodle. And, you know, it's just, you know, applying my style to that. We auctioned off the result of his scribing that night, but if you want to see photos of it, there are some up on our Facebook page. Just search for Stand Up Tragedy. Here's Peter again after he'd finished his picture. What have, what have you made for us, then? Can you describe what we've ended up with? Um, <laughs> I don't know. It's kind of two metres by 80 centimetres lengthwise. Yeah. Kind of like a, a big, long comic strip of the night. It's a, yeah, a bit of a messy comic strip. I, I ended up following like a kind of Keith Haring kind of vibe because he's one of my heroes, one of my artistic heroes. He's great. 
So yeah, a lot of it's got kind of creepy. I tried. Man for man. Yeah. The man coming out. Oh, that was in. Uh, there was a poem by by Samantha Man about uh, Hugo. It's called yeah. Hugo's There. Who goes there? Yeah. And uh, she said, um, oh, well, yeah, she said um, he had his feet in the clouds and his head in the sky. So I drew a guy upside down uh, hanging from a cloud. How did you find him? Was there enough inspiration? I had a lot of fun doing this one. It was great. This was re really a lot of fun. Yeah, I really enjoyed doing this like black background and then like colors on top like a like a blackboard i was experimenting it's fun really fun during the break i asked the audience if they had any tragic heroes and here's what they told me uh buffy the vampire slayer she's pretty badass only one i can think of is my mum which is really lame she just has the capacity to be like chilled out in any situation which i think is something a hero needs arnold schwarzenegger <laughs> jackie chan me those are people I don't know if I can pick a hero on the spot, but if I were to say something right now, it'd be Roald Dahl, who's a little bit of a tragic hero and a hero, because he's brilliant, and because he did have an incredibly hard life and backstory, but also just came through it and wrote these really magical children's stories out of it. I can't really just put one, because my mom and dad are both my heroes, so I'll have to name two. Our audience also got the chance to colour in and decorate little cutout figures of their idea of a tragic hero. And these have all been photographs and we, again, we've put them up on the Facebook page. So if you think stand-up tragedy sounds like fun, unfortunately you just missed our April show. It's on Thursday the 10th and the theme is Tragic Martyrs. It's at the Dogstar in Brixton. That podcast will be available very soon and you'll be able to hear everyone who performed. To keep up to date with what we're doing, like us on Facebook or follow us on Twitter where we're at Stand Up For Tragedy. We'll be announcing the details of our May show very, very soon. Now, to finish off this episode of the Stand Up Tragedy special, here's MJ Hibbert performing one of Dave's favourite songs. Or at least he thinks it's this one. He can't really decide. So yes, my last song, uh, this song, uh, um, yes, it may surprise you to know this, looking at me, you may be thinking, this guy, he's probably like a, like a, an astronaut, or sort of like a cowboy, or, you know, or, or, or just a normal professional sexy man, uh, but no, uh, actually I work in IT. <laughs> um, and um, so I, I wrote this song because there aren't many um, songs about love in the information technology community. Um, <laughs> In fact, there's one song about love in the information technology community, and this is it. Um, so uh, thanks very much for having me. It's been lovely to be here. Uh, I'm MJ Hibbert. This is my uh, paean, if you will, to love in the information technology community, and it's called It Only Works Because You're Here. The phone rings nine times before he says yes. She's got a problem with Internet Explorer And he's the computer desk He waits and takes the lift to her floor and says Show me the problem then She's mildly mortified to find that everything's working again She flushes bright pink 
which he thinks is wonderful. She feels like such a fool, and so she says it only works because you're here. Before you came, it was broken. It only works because you're here. You've got my windows to open, Lord. Weeks pass, and that's that, until he gets in late one day to see she's been and posted a post-it note onto his screen that says, Could you pop up when you've got a minute? He flies up five flights of stairs To find her computer rebooting And main site IT guy sat in her chair He is red-faced and out of breath Which she thinks is wonderful She knows he wanted to help her And so she says It only works because you're here Before you came it was broken It only works because you're here You've got my windows to open So he pops in to see her when he's passing And also when he's not She's fairly sure that he feels something for her, but she can't say exactly what. He's nervous and he's shy, and that's part of the reason why she likes him. But the vague chance of romance is not enough reason for her to stay. He can't believe it when he hears that she's leaving from her whip round wielding PA. There's not enough room on the card to fit all the words that burn in his heart. She's leaving. It's horrible. He doesn't know what to do. Until at her leaving do, he puts his hand to his heart and says, It only works because you're here Before you came it was broken It only works because you're here You've got my windows to open She says Well you've left it a bit fucking late So let's not waste time now I think you're great They kiss Crowd cheers Main site IT guy goes home in a flood of tears. <laughs> Stand up tragedy.